This is the Jocko Underground Podcast. Number 70, sitting here with Echo Charlie. Echo Charles. Sure. EC. Sure. All the above. Oh, and the Jocko. So, so on the last Underground, we talked about choking. Not the jujitsu choking, but the performance choking. And I mentioned something called the individual zones of optional, optimal functioning, which is that level of attentiveness and pressure that actually makes you perform better. I talked about surfing and how surfing without a leash, I could feel that I'm more focused. I can feel it's a more enjoyable rush, more enjoyable feeling, a more focused feeling. Because if you mess up, your board's gone. It's probably gonna get smashed by the rocks. You have to swim far. At a minimum, you gotta swim which is a gut check. So everything is more focused. So that that level of stress is good. So there's a closely related psychological theory or psychological law related to this. It's called the Yerkes-Dodson law. Maybe it's the Yerkeses, but the Yerkes-Dodson law, named after a couple of psychologists, Robert Yerkes and John Dodson. And it, it, it says something very similar. Basically that you have an area of optimal stress that results in optimal performance, right? So with too little stress, your performance will be subpar due to lack of attention, due to lack of interest, due to lack of focus. This is when, you know when, it, when a parent's like, oh yeah, my kid's really smart and he's getting an F in school or yeah. whatever? Yeah. And it's because they're bored. That's what this is, right? Not enough stress. So... Not enough interest, not enough attention, not enough focus. Because there's not enough stress. The other end of the spectrum, we got too much stress. And now we have subpar performance because there's anxiety, there's overstimulation, there's chemicals getting released into the body. There's a bunch of things that are going on that if you get too much stress, you're going to have a subpar performance. And this, this original experiment the way they conducted it, the original experiment was with mice, and the mice were uh, allowed to enter one of two boxes. There's two boxes. And the mice would enter into one of these boxes. One was black, one was white. If they went into the black box, there was no shock. If they went into the white box, they were getting electrocuted. Like, not electrocuted, but they were getting, yeah, I guess, they were getting a shock, and I'm sorry, everybody, this is a experiment from like 1900 or 1905 or 1906. So I apologize that the mice were harmed in this situation. With a really weak shock in the white box, it took them a long time to figure out the deal. With a really strong shock, it took them a long time to figure out the deal. With a medium shock, they figured out the deal quickest so like not enough stress like i don't really care went in this box didn't really phase me mm. with too much shock they walk in the box ah, what the hell just happened oh my god what's going on mm. too much mm. but when they gave them an, a shock that they dis- discomfort they didn't like but it didn't freak them out that's where they learned the quickest mm. that's where they for lack of a better word performed optimally now This is where this gets complicated a little bit. Mm. It gets more complicated when the task 
gets more complicated because this is what they figured out eventually for humans you for if it's a simple task you can maintain good performance even with high stress if it's a complex task that's where things fall apart under stress i mean this is common sense right mm. it's common sense and you know there's there's an old school version of self defense from like world war 2 and their whole theory was based on gross motor movements mm. meaning i'm just going to like big giant sweeping punches and big giant sweeping stabs, big giant gross motor movements. Mm. So I'm not gonna try and grab like your fingers and manipulate because it's too, I've, if we're fighting to death in combat, mm. I've got all this stress, I'm not gonna be able to perform these micro movements, mm. these complex detailed movements. Mm. I'm gonna just get you with the big giant, you know, clothesline to the neck. Mm. So that kind of reminds me, that that's actually a good theory that they have there. Um, now, all that being said, and again, a lot of stuff is common sense, but it's worth thinking about. We can improve the performance under stress of a complex task if we practice, if we rehearse, if we repeat. So that's why, you know, shooting, shooting a pistol, shooting a rifle, you practice it. I mean, it's fairly complex. It's fairly complex if you're someone that's never shot before and you got to line the front sight with the back sight you got to you know hold good position with your hands you got to do a good step there's a lot of stuff going on there's a lot of individual movements that are happening and yet once you get good at pistol it's not even a thought it's something you do it becomes very very simple so that's what that's what we want to that's what we want to do now, there's a lot, just, just FYI, if anyone wants to freak out and, and tell me that, you know, this, this psychological theory has been disproven and the experiment and the scientific protocols and the methods of accuracy, there's a, there's a lot of, there's some people that have criticized it and they morphed this law over time. But this much we know. And this much is important, not all stress is bad, right? Not all stress is bad. Some stress is good. No stress at all is bad. It doesn't stimulate. And this is something to think about from a leadership position. If you're, if you're not putting any challenges in front of your team, they're not gonna get in the game. And when you're a leader and you put too much stress on your team, they're gonna be overwhelmed. So you gotta find that optimal level of stress. And then when you've got a team and you want them to get good at doing something under stress, you gotta rehearse it, they gotta practice it. And that includes leadership. Again, the primary goal of the training that I used to run for the SEAL teams was to actually overwhelm the leaders. Massive stress so that they could become accustomed to it, so they could come up with little protocols on how to prioritize and execute. So there you go. Don't think of stress as something you need to fight against. Think of it as something you need to work with to find the optimal level of stress with yourself, with your team, so that everyone can perform better.
there you go. <clears throat> they say that uh, I don't know, it was something about the current state of children being spoiled or something like this. I don't mm-hmm. know, something like that. It was in an application of that. They were saying um, when kids are spoiled, it's it's not. I forget what it's not, but all essentially in its on its base level, it's a low uh, stress tolerance, or sorry, a low distress tolerance. So, like, if you're used to getting what you want at every turn, and then the moment you don't get what you want, that causes distress, and they have low tolerance because they don't have any practice in being distressed throughout mm-hmm. life, so they react irrationally. That's what it is. Yeah, low distress no. tolerance. That's why exercise is so good, man, because that's some like you kind of learn the idea of discomfort and pain in exercise. Like if you go hard or even playing sports and all this other stuff, I kind of you kind of as an adult, you kind of reflect on those things and be like, you realize the value of that. Totally valuable. Distressed. Yep. All right, let's get some Q&A. Q&A, first question. Jocko, if I, ha- if I have a boss that's a weak leader with a big ego and I'm trying to provide leadership from the lower levels of the company, trying to play the long game, make him look good, take responsibility, do what Jocko would do, etc. Is it not possible to just continue to do that indefinitely and be a cycle of cleaning up messes for a bad leader without the team ever actually winning? I work for a small charter fishing company. There is one owner and five other captains that run boats for him. Every year this there every year there is captain turnover because of bad company culture and leadership. I'm four year I'm four year into playing the long game with this company and I've gained more responsibilities and influence by trying to live the things I've learned from reading your books and listening to your insights on leadership. I'm wondering though how long of a game should I play to help build a winning team when decisions, actions, and inactions that are made by the owner are not leading to the type of environment that is conducive to having the high-quality team members needed to becoming a winning team? What are good indicators to be able to say that you're at a cap of your influence in this company and it's time to accept it where it is or plan and exit? Oh, okay. Accept it where it is or plan an exit strategy. I just don't want to be playing the long game and realize after a long time I'm playing the long game for a losing team, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. A, I mean, straight up, yes, there's a time where you've done all that you can and it's time to move on. Absolutely. Um, you, you can reach that cap. You need to be able to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I was on an academy call the other day and a similar question came up and I said, have you ever gotten an infection, Echo Charles? Like a small, like let's say a spider bite and it starts to turn red around it. Yeah. And the doctor will say, draw a line around it uh, yeah. so that you can tell if it's continuing to grow. Okay, yeah, okay. I've had an infection, but no doctor. But you've never done that. Okay, circles. so no. let's say you cut your shin on the reef. I stepped on a nail. And you come back from surfing and you got like a little this happened to me, so <laughs> yeah, I, I had a little, I, I had a little, little round circle. I mean, there was a little blood thing, but then there was a round circle that looked a little bit infected. Yeah. So what do you do? I draw a line around it, mm-hmm. so I can see. You know, when I wake up in the morning, oh, it's spread. Yeah. Draw another line. Yeah. It's still spreading. Okay, we got a problem. There's a reason that they make you do that because otherwise, you look at it, you're like, well, I can't really remember where yeah. it was. I can't really remember where the line was. I can't really, me- I can't really tell if it's truly spread or not. So, 
Similar thing here. At this juncture, you've been doing this for four years, you gotta write down some of the issues that need to get resolved and when they should be resolved by, right? Let's say you write down six issues or seven issues and you write down some kind of a timeline to get those issues resolved, resolved three months, nine months, six months, whatever the case may be. And then at the end of that time, you look up and you say, you know what? Hey, five of the issues got solved. Two issues are left. Okay. We made legitimate progress. You know, I've built a better relationship. We, you know, the boss doesn't do this anymore. We've got more leeway over here. So you write down those issues and you monitor and you make efforts to get them squared away. Maybe you look up and there's only one or two issues. Okay, that's progress. That means there's light. That means we're, we're making progress. Maybe you have only solved one, barely, but there's two other issues that have come up. Mm. And now what that means is this is a real problem. You know, now we're not seeing light at the end of the tunnel. And in my opinion, that's when it's time to start planning an exit strategy. Now, exit strategy, guess what? Uh, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? And working for a guy that's an egomaniac, but and he and he's weak. Guess what? Hey, you know him. You got some kind of pass with him. You know how to you know how to maneuver around him. So there's some positives there. Yeah. Uh, but there does come a time when it's time. So that's what I would do. I would kind of take a step back. I would write down sort of. Uh, some metrics that you're gonna measure the next six months off of and if you're not seeing change and you're not seeing progress and you've escalated you know your your problem-solving methodologies you've become a little bit more direct you've started to talk a little bit more openly over time to address these problems and you're ma- not making any progress let's get that resume together just no emotions measure decide and act you ever quit a job? No. <laughs> Even Wendy's? Bro, I quit a job and, well. Actually, I, I did quit Wendy's. Yeah. Uh, but No you, two weeks, bro. Yeah, but you out. joined the military pretty young, so yeah. I guess this doesn't apply. But I was going to say, do you, you ever quit a job and, be, and then like the next week been like, damn, I shouldn't have quit? No. Because he's, <laughs> bro, I did that before. And more worse, because it was like for this reason, not as robust, but I was just like kind of annoyed with the boss. Yeah, I didn't really, and just bored of the job. Man, the economy right now, bro. You could get a, you got a good job. Yeah. Don't don't look that gift horse in the mouth. Yeah. Right. Don't yeah. look that oh, yeah. gift horse in the mouth. That's why it's caution. That's why it's like come up with an exit strategy. Yeah. It's not like oh nothing changed. I'm quitting. Come up with an exit strategy. Have the other have the savings account. Lock. Because by the way, you go get another job. You, you put in your resume. Guy gets you a great offer. You show up there. Two weeks goes by. The economy shits the bed, and you're the last guy they hired, and you're the first guy getting fired. Bro, yeah. It, so just just keep that in mind. Now, listen. I don't want you staying in a dead end job working for a bunch of shit birds for the rest of my life. Sure. You, don't want that to happen. You you kind of said this, or you did say this. Um, which brings up like such a good point. I'm remembering back to that. Like, it's easy to 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 see and feel all the junk parts of your job and the annoying parts or whatever. But Brad, really, really reflect on the benefits of that job. Because like you're saying, like think of like the good points, right? You can maneuver all this stuff. But Brad, there's all kinds of stuff, oh, everyday no. stuff that's like 
you you got these these problems solved and then when you go apply which is an, yet another one you gotta go apply for a job come on bro that process can be a pain in the ass sometimes yeah. so you don't gotta do that right now but you got that just that from out the gate as they say you got that and then all this other learning new system learning new process or whatever mm-hmm. learning new personalities or whatever that's not to mention the gamble of where you're going what if they're junk too yep. all true but if you're, you know, you got to also recognize and if you got to make a plan, that's why you got to measure the metrics. You got to find that other opportunity. You got to set, you got to interview the company. You're going to work for someone else. You got to interview them. Yeah. Right. See what their background is. How much capital cash do they have on hand in case the economy goes, you know, bad. So there you go. All right. Next question. My wife and I are in our early 30s. My wife has recently been promoted to marketing director at the company she has been at for 10 years. She's very well respected and valued for, valued by her coworkers. Many of the employees of this company lean a particular direction politically, and they aren't afraid to share it. It seems a couple times a month a hot topic political issue is brought up by her peers or even sometimes people in higher positions than her. There is clearly an echo chamber element and agreement by the majority of my wife's co-workers. My wife never weighs in, which I agree with. We both feel these things should not be brought up at work, especially by a direct supervisor. She feels like there could be reprisals or relationships could sour if if it was found out she didn't agree with the opinion of the group or the higher level employees. She has taken the approach to di- redirect the conversations to business when an opportunity presents itself. Is there another approach she she could be uh, taking. Um, okay, so f- first of all, out of the gate, let me say this. I think she's doing it right. She's doing the right thing. She's taking the right approach. People right now are crazy with their political beliefs, and you cannot have a logical discussion with them. So she's doing the right thing. Uh, remaining neutral is a good call, so good for her. That's part one. Part two. Mm. And this is so critical. Mm-hmm. Part two. This isn't just about avoiding conflict in the company. Because let's say your wife, you know, at some point she says, look, these people believe things different than me and I can't take it anymore. Mm. Right? Mm. If she has a passionate feeling mm. about topic A, and she starts to feel like I'm just letting these people, you know, trample all over and my beliefs don't matter and why should I put up like yeah. she can get caught up in that, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. So she's playing the game, what she's doing. But it isn't just about playing the game to avoid conflict inside the company. If she really wanted to have influence over people and have them start to see her side of things, the worst thing that she could do is get in some kind of direct confrontation with anybody. Because then all of a sudden she's like seen as the enemy. They don't listen to anything she has to say. Not to mention what happens on the job. This is, this is, forget the job. Let's say it was at the dinner table. Let's say it was with, you know, friends of the family. You don't work together, but you want to, you want to be able to influence and open up their mind and allow them to see things in a different light. The worst thing you could do is say, my stance is here. Yeah. You're wrong. Yeah. That's the direct approach and it doesn't work well. It's much better to take the indirect approach to, to, to focus on building relationships, to focus on finding common ground 
That's what we should focus on. Bickering over political issues will, with, with people who are dug in, will not help them. You're not going to change their mind. You change their mind by opening your mind, by forming relationships, by listening to what they have to say, by understanding their perspective, by eventually, when the time is right, asking truly earnest questions. Not a question that's like, well, well, what about this? And then you're in a fight with them. But to ask a truly earnest question, oh, well, why do you think that's the best system for healthcare, right? Hey, can you, why do you think that's such a good system? Not, not, a, not a, hey, well, why do you, oh, oh, why do you think that's such a good system? Right. It's a huge difference. Yeah. But saying, hey, well, what are the benefits of that kind of system? I don't know too much about it. Mm-hmm. And then listen. And if you do that, over time, you have a much higher probability of actually understanding people and being able to move them in a direction that might make more sense. Mm-hmm. You might move a little bit too. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, that's a big one right there. And you, you, how do you say it? Um, I guess sometimes when you, even you sometimes, well, I know early on I kind of felt this when you'd say, you know, you want to ask earnest questions, right? Yeah. Like for some reason, I don't know if my brain wasn't computing it, but for some reason uh, it's like how I interpreted it was you saying, well, you want to ask like 80% earnest questions. It was like that for yeah, some yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, almost like I got to be reminded. No, 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 for real. And then how you put it, like you was kind of a call out by the way, but whatever, I deserved it when you're like, it's not an act. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's a good point. You know, it's not, sometimes it's not people will like be explaining this back to me. It's like, so when I'm asking leading questions, do I? And I'm like, no, it's not leading questions. Yeah. There's a huge difference. It's yeah. real, true, earnest questions that you are asking from a place of humility. Yes. That's how it works. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard, though. Because yeah. even the question, and maybe it's just me habitually being like, freaking triggered or I don't know, but mm-hmm. you know, the word political thing. So I'm thinking, oh, oh, here we go. A freaking partisan, a uh, freaking, now it's a two-sided kind of scenario, right? You know mm-hmm. how like, you know, the, the default well, from what we understand and see on, on the internet, whatever. Uh, when you think, oh, political, it's like, okay, here with everyone, you go to your corner, you go to your corner. We're ready. We just automatically ready for that now. So even reading the questions, I already feel that. You see what I'm saying? Like, oh, she, my wife feels that where the people have different political values, they're wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's what it feels like. The thing is, I could easily be wrong. Doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. I'm saying, you're, when you say earnest questions, hey, 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 for real, for real, earnest questions, get your mind right to be, to listen and get it changed if need be, kind of a thing, you know? Not if need be, but like, you got to be open to that. And Best. just like how you said at the end there, you're like, and be ready to, to get influenced as well. That's it. Not an act. Check. Next question. <sighs> I'm a father of three girls and two boys. The good video is my go-to for when my children or anyone else faces adversity. My question is specific to my daughter. She's 22 and was recently ghosted by her longtime boyfriend. Do you know what ghosted means? Jonathan? Yes, I do. Okay, bro. I'm just hey, you know, I don't know. Of course, this had this had um, this has impacted her confidence. So she also has some lingering issues from dealing with mean girls in the past. The get over breakup video is great, but geared more toward guys. My question is: Will jujitsu training help my daughter with her confidence in a way that translates that translates to social circles? She was a gymnast when she was younger, so I'm pretty confident in her fitness. 
I thought you might have some unique insight as you have two daughters who both train slash trained. I have Thank three you. daughters that train slash train. <laughs> but he says you too have daughters, so you have a daughter too. Yes. That's true. Uh, thank you for what you're doing. Um, hey, for, first of all, the get the the breakup video, how to get over breakup video. Um, mm-hmm. It might seem like it's geared toward boys, but it works the same for girls. Uh, the attitude is just as effective and just as important for girls mm-hmm. to wish them luck, walk away, and don't look back. Yes. Part number one. The other part of that video, which is like, uh, which she needs to realize this boyfriend, the guy that she liked in her head that didn't really exist. That guy was a faker and a liar Mm. and a piece of garbage. This is a guy that didn't have the like nerve to say, hey, listen, I don't want to see you anymore. He just ghosted her. This guy's a turd. So you got saved, young lady from going out with and carrying on a relationship with a turd. So congratulations, don't look back. The question, the specific question about BJJ training, yes. Will it help her with her confidence? 100%. Will 100% help with her, with her confidence? It will, it's great for social interaction because you're gonna be hanging around with a bunch of people, you have to go meet new people, you get good at meeting new people, you're gonna roll. You're gonna never have seen someone before in your life, you're gonna meet them, and 10 seconds later, you're gonna be grappling with them at the ultimate close quarters. Jiu-Jitsu is the most contact sport of all contact sports. It's the most contact sport. There's no more contact. There's not a sport that has more contact than Jiu-Jitsu. None. So that's going on. So you you just kinda get more comfortable with people. That helps your confidence as well. The fact that she did gymnastics is awesome because gymnastics is an outstanding base for jujitsu. So hopefully you she can start training. Of course, we don't want to force her into it. Uh, I think a good way to kind of offer it as a start is like, hey, I'd really like you to do this, you know, so you can just as a self-defense, mm-hmm. right? Hey, can you do this a couple times a week just for self-defense? I'd really, you know, I'm not always around and you're going to be alone and you're going to be moving to the city and you're going to be working a job and you're going to be all those things. So that will help, you know, it, hey, you know, maybe, maybe you say, hey, I want to do this, I'll, I'll pay for it. Because, you know, jiu-jitsu can get a little expensive. Mm-hmm. And she's 22, you know, 22-year-olds usually aren't raking in the cash yet. So maybe you say, hey, I just want you to do this, I'm going to pay for it. All good, I got you a gi, you know, <laughs> got that origin box coming in. But, but seriously, you pay for sure. it, and that's just a nice way to get her to do something. Also, just get outside, get off the computer, get off the freaking Instagram. You can't be on Instagram when you're doing jiu-jitsu. That's one of the best things about jiu-jitsu, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't get sucked into the algorithm when you're getting sucked into a triangle choke. <laughs> um, I will tell you that my daughters all have benefited greatly from jiu-jitsu and continue to do so, So and wrestling. But um, either one of those, really good. It sounds like your daughter um, has a great, future ahead of her. She got rid of this turd. She's going to start training jujitsu. She already has a good base. It's an awesome scenario. Congrats. That advice is for future me, by the way, when my daughter starts growing up and dealing with the boyfriend, yeah. girlfriend scenario. Yeah. Uh, the, hard, the, hard, the hard thing about when you're a kid and you go through the boyfriend, girlfriend scenario is you think that that is the 
the all, the, the, uh, the your whole world. Yeah. You know, and one of the I had a friend whose son broke up with you know there was a big split sure. with the girlfriend. He was all bummed out. And so I, I was like, hey, and they were like, hey, can you talk to him? I was like, yeah, I'll talk to him. I was like, hey, you know, I know that you just broke up with your girlfriend and I know that that can be really hard because when, when I was a junior in high school, my, my girlfriend at the time, her name was, I don't even freaking know her name because it didn't matter anymore. I'm like, it doesn't matter. You're not going to remember this girl in two years. You have your whole life ahead of you. Don't worry about it. Go find another girl. Rock and roll. And he started laughing because you know I'm right. Girl, what, you're a freaking junior in high school? You're a senior in high school? You think that this is the one? And there's no yeah. other, there's nine billion people on the planet. You think you just lost the one? Yeah. Bro, you just threw, you, that's, a, that's a bonus, dude. You should be mm. stoked. This girl, 22 years old, deterred Goser, thank God. She learned a little <laughs> bit from this idiot. Now she can move on. No factor. What about the one who got away? You ever think you ever hear about that, right? Or I mean, I never walk heard, away. Don't look back. I've never heard that in real life. Walk away. Don't look back. Like whatever. Yeah. Just let it go. There's literally not other than my wife who can't be <laughs> surpassed. Of course. Yes. There's sir. literally no other girl that you could meet that could not be surpassed. No. That Yeah. There's none other. Sure. So you lose a girl. Cool. There's another one that's better. You lose a dude. Cool. There's another one that's better. They're out there. There's no one. You didn't find the one. You're not that lucky, especially at 22. You know what I'm saying? So we'll go, girl. Doesn't feel like that sometimes. Bro, I want to hear your little <laughs> sob stories. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, next question, Jock Rackham. You have both discussed the upsides and downsides to having a trained dog. Me and, my, me and my family recently got a puppy, a golden retriever. Not so much because I wanted it, but because I knew it would make my wife and young son happy. Mm. Eventually, anyway. Oh, eventually, anyway. Because right now, it's biting all of us. <laughs> and interfering with my morning workouts, barking, biting, whatnot. Uh, what type of training do you recommend for a puppy slash dog? What exercises, how often, etc. And any advice on getting it to stop biting? Thanks. And thanks for what you guys do. It's interesting. I wonder how old this thing is. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to come straight. I, I'm feeling like I'm pretty good at this scenario. All right. Yeah. Number one, get something called a pinch collar. Mm-hmm. Not a choke collar, a pinch collar. This is the thing that causes acute pain to your dog. Not pain like, torture. not torture pain, mm-hmm. but pain that they go, oh, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. So it's called a pinch collar. They're made of metal. They, they, when you, when you pull them, they pinch their skin. That's what's good about. See that what's if you a choke collar is putting pressure on their neck, mm. not their skin. Yeah. So this so get a pinch collar. Yeah. And then what you do is you do really hard corrections. Meaning when they do something wrong, you you yank that thing sharp like a crack. You they and you get instant pain in their neck, yeah. in their skin, sorry, in their skin. Yeah. They don't like it. I promise you they don't like it. No. And then you do it consistently. With my dog, you know, I have a German Shepherd. He's like five years old now. I could get him to change his behavior with like four corrections. Four corrections and he would not do whatever it is he was doing that I didn't want him to do. Mm -hmm. 
with four corrections, he'd be like, all right, dude, that I'm not, that's it. That's it. I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not chewing nothing. I'm not over here. I'm not getting on the couch. Cool. Yeah. I get it. I'm not going on the couch. I'm mm-hmm. not going on the bed. Mm-hmm. Right? I'll stay off that thing. So you now listen. Then the next day, you're probably going to have to do it three times. The next day, you might have to do it two times. The next day, you might have to do it one time. But in a very short period of time, you can overcome some pretty pretty significant behavioral changes or you can you can implement some pretty significant behavioral changes so you got to put that collar on them you got to keep them on that leash you got to give them hard corrections like like my wife her corrections were like one eighth <laughs> of my corrections partially because she's not as strong as I am partially because she's nicer than I am yes very much so. but thankfully I'm so thankful that that I was able to train my dog because my wife didn't have the, 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 the will, yeah. you know, she, uh, emotional fortitude. Yeah, she didn't have the emotional fortitude to be like, all right, yeah. this, and cause it's true discipline equals freedom situation. Yeah. If you have a well-disciplined dog, you can do anything. I go, yeah. I go take my dog all the time. I never put a leash on him. We yeah. go anywhere. I'll go to a restaurant, no leash. Go walk, run down the road, no leash. <laughs> just, just don't need it all. Total freedom. When you, when you when I see people with dogs, they're like I'll get a dirty look from someone. Mm-hmm. Their dog is at the end of its leash, going psycho. Mm. They're holding it back, and my dog's just running next to me. They look at me like I'm Satan. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and my dog literally just like looks at the other dog, mm. and you know I might I'll I'll be like stay with me, and he'll just like look back ahead and keep running. Yeah. So discipline will give you freedom. Uh. So that's that's the things I've got for you now. Look, uh, Mike Ritland, who's been on the podcast one thirteen, he's got a he's got a site for training dogs. Teamdog.pet. Teamdog.pet. That that's going to give you the next level. I'm just giving you like some heads up. That's where you go so you can get some legitimate protocols for your training. I can tell you that what I did was I made my dog do what I wanted him to do, and if he didn't do it right, I'd give him corrections. And the corrections were very, very effective. Look, my dog is a is a German Shepherd. He comes from a very good line of German Shepherds, so he's a good breed of dog. Your Golden Retriever, I don't know what its basic personality is. It might be a knucklehead. It's possible. Uh, it might be a, it might be the smartest dog ever. It's possible. So my results may not be the same as your results, but dogs are dogs, and and a Golden Retriever, those are awesome dogs. And likely, if you give this dog some training, it'll get better. And and by the way, look, disrupting some stuff, it's a puppy, bro. Like, if this do- dog is young, it's going to take a little while. Mm. And you're going to miss some, you know, you're going to get your inter- workout interrupted. You're going to have to put him in his crate sometimes. Get a crate, crate training too. Got to get that stuff done. Your dog should be able to, you go crate, the dog should just walk over to get in and lie down. Mm. And then you can shut the door if you want to. Or you just tell him to stay in there and he'll stay in there because you told him to. Mm. Because the time where he, you told him to go in there and he came out, you cracked him with the with that pinch collar. He's like, "Oh damn, okay, I'll wait until I get released." Yeah. And then you say, "Free dog," and he comes out, and you're like, "Good to go." Do you give him treats for some? Like, because I remember you, you can give treats as well. Yeah, I I gave my dog treats when he would come back to me when I call him and come give him treats. So he yeah. thinks when I call his name, he thinks he's getting a treat. <laughs> oh, yeah, to this day, I haven't given him a treat two years. <laughs> He still thinks he's getting one. He's like, damn, it could be the day. Yeah, yeah. And you, it's the same thing with human psychology. Like, you don't give them a treat every single time. It's like all those things. 
Yeah. Give them, well, you give them a treat, but like different sizes. You get the clicker. There's all kinds of things you can do. Go to teamdog.pet, Mike Ritland. He'll, he'll teach you what's up. Yeah, that, um, let's say the more sensitive members of the family, mm-hmm. that's uh, the same situation in my family mm-hmm. too, but they don't have the emotional fortitude. Okay, so, and I think you're right. And that's, it's, you know, pain compliance, right? Mm-hmm. Some, you know, some circles, they frown upon that and, you know, all, all the stuff. And I'm sure there's different levels of pain compliance, you know, there's just torture mm-hmm. your dog yeah, or whatever. That's this. horrible. Yeah, that's horrible. Especially, the, so the consistency thing, that was, so I, tr- I had two Dalmatians when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I trained them both not to use the bathroom, just on my own for, for consistent or with consistent like training, same, same deal or whatever. But we just got a dog. And I think that might've been the reason we talked about it that time. So we just got a dog, little Yorkie dog, freaking for my daughter. Anyway, mm. I'm the only one with emotional fortitude for the pain compliance yeah. scenario. Yeah. So the thing, and the thing is every, we see the results and all of yep. my things work, all of them. Yep. And here's the thing. So the thing barks. Right, like mm-hmm. in the morning, and here's the only reason it barks when it wants to get out of the little cage, crate, mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or when it wants to come inside, and when I'm not there, when it thinks that it's not me. So, like, my wife or my daughter will come out of their room, and the thing will start barking, like, "Let me out, let me out." But if it, I don't know, sometimes the he won't even see, or she won't even see me. She'll just smell me or something. She'll just like look and then not do nothing. Yeah, she won't bark. Bro. Discipline equals freedom. Bro, there was this there's this hill at my house. Mm-hmm. You know how like behind the, the thing that there's this hill and way at the top of the hill. It's like hard to get up that hill, but for a little dog it's easy. It's like it's far. It's a hill, hill. At the top of that hill is this fence, right? So our backyard is to- totally fenced in, but the freaking thing dug a little hole up there and escapes and runs away. It was a puppy. So I'm like, okay, like I know how to make it so that dog will never run up that hill ever again. Mm-hmm. Pain compliance, mm-hmm. four times. That's it. Four times, right? Four times. Won't ever do it. My, my daughter's crying. She's yeah. like, you're hurting my dog. And I'll say, I'm not hurting the dog. You're saving that dog's life from running away and getting hit by a car. Yep. You're welcome. Yep. Or getting kidnapped because brother, I think it was kind of expensive. Dog napped. <laughs> and not to mention you freaking people having to chase the thing down the neighborhood when it escapes the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing's not going to escape no, no more. You're welcome. You're welcome. And the thing respects me more, yeah. I think, overall. Kind of got to go hard in the paint. Go hard in the paint. Consistent. Yeah. Pinch collar, not a choke yeah. collar. That's the deal. Um, consistent. That's the deal. Careful with kids. You can't trust them. You can't, you can't <laughs> trust a dog with kids. Yeah. It's going to take a while, I should say. You're talk- <laughs> I told you. With, and I have a video of, I don't know, I don't have a video of this, but when we were at your house, me and my son, he's mm-hmm. six. Might have been five at the time. No, 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 you six. And you're and my my son's used to my little that little Yorkie puppy. Mm-hmm. And here comes not a hundred and twenty <laughs> pound German Shepherd. Bro, that thing looked like a werewolf. He does and look like a wolf. I mean, he looks like he's gonna eat you. Oh and, yeah. And then like your kid is gonna be dessert. Bro, my kid is like fifty five pounds. So he's a you know. And bro, your dog came and he wasn't running aggressively. He was just sort of rolling up, like not. He wasn't timid or nothing. He rolled up like oh people to come say hi to bro. <laughs> So I turned around and power walked like yeah. behind like the little bench yeah. there or whatever. There's I was no like, one coming to my house. Yeah. There's no there's mm-hmm. no one coming to my house. Yeah. That dog will murder you. But here's the thing. My after he after he left with all that experience, like you know how you let him do the tricks and stuff with mm-hmm. him? Now he wants a German shepherd. Since that day he always yeah. says, like, we want, I want a German shepherd. Of course. Yeah. We have a dog, by the way. The thing just got rejected yeah. mentally. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a it's real. It's real. Get a better dog. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Next one question. more. One more question. 
Uh, I am an avid Jocko podcast listener, and I have a question for you regarding my construction project team. I'm the last man standing. All my management and project executives have, have jumped ship. How do I pick up all the pieces and finish this job? Of course, we have brought other people on to help, but how do we how do we as a team move forward with being the the guy to go to because I'm the most informed since I'm the least one the last one. I've also been directed to be our superintendent and PM on the project so I feel like my head is just spinning because of uh, workload and stress. All right. Asker of this question. You may be you this may make you smile, this may make you frown for a second. But then you may be smiling again. I think that's what's going to happen yeah. when I answer this question. You, there's two categories. One might be you just smile and go, hell yeah. The other one might be you go, oh. And then you're going to think about it and you're going to go, oh yeah, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So end result, we're going to get positive. There might okay. be a moment of hesitation. The moment of hesitation will become because you know what I'm going to say. You've been put into a leadership position. What do you need to do? You need to take ownership, and then you need to implement the laws of combat leadership. Cover and move. So you got to get that team together. You got to explain that we're going to support each other, that we're all on the same team, and we're going to help each other. Then you've got to go simple, right? Simplify the plan, the mission. Make sure everybody understands in very clear terms what the mission is, what the plan is. And look, construction jobs, sometimes they're very, very complex. They're brutally complex. Guess what that means? You break it down into chunks and you start with this part of the mission. This is what we're going to get done. Simple. In simple language. Then you got to prioritize and execute. Clearly, you got to prioritize and execute right now. What are we doing? What is our biggest priority? What do we need to do right now? How do we tell everybody what's going on? How do we tell everybody what the focus is? What is our focus today, this week, this month? This is our biggest priority. We gotta get the forms in place so we can pour concrete. That's what we gotta do. That's what we gotta do. So that's what we're doing. We're gonna focus on that. This doesn't mean we ignore everything else that's going on, but the team, you set out the priorities. This is what we're doing. This is what our focus is. You update that because I know the priorities can shift. We get weather day, all of a sudden something else jumps up. So you gotta explain that to everybody. I would be having meetings, five minute meetings or seven minute meetings, maybe one in the morning, maybe one in the afternoon. This is what's going on. Where do we get to? Bringing everyone together so you can unify the team a little bit, improve the cover move. And the last is decentralized command. What that means you're gonna have to delegate. You're gonna have to delegate stuff. You're gonna have to talk to your subordinates and get them to step up. They got you doing superintendent and PM on the same job. Guess what? Someone's gonna have to step up and cover some of that superintendent for you. Someone's gonna have to help you out with the project management portion of that job. So you're gonna talk to those subordinates and get them to step up. Empower them. Empower them. You know, hey, Echo, here's this part of the project. I want you to run with that. Now that doesn't mean I ignore him and say, well, he's got it, it's not on me anymore. No, I'm gonna check with you tomorrow afternoon, see what your plan is, make sure your plan makes sense. Check with you three days later, hey, how's that plan being implemented? So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna utilize that, the laws of combat that we talk about all the time, and I guarantee, look, this is what this is, this is what these things were created for. 
This situation is what these things were created for. There's mayhem going on. There's confusion. We lost some leadership. What do I? What the hell should I do right now? Cover and move. Simple. Prioritize and execute. Decentralized command. That's what you need to do. And there will be light at the end of the tunnel. Because this that's the thing about construction project. It's a finite thing. Like at some point, you will finish this job. At some point, you will get the concrete poured. At some point, you will get the drywall hung. At some point, you, you know, it's going to happen. So there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's going to be a little chaotic. Cover and move. Simple. Prioritize and execute. Decentralized command. Let's get it done. You got this, bro. With that, thank you for joining us, everybody. We appreciate it. Go to Jocko.com. Get some gear if you want to support the podcast. We appreciate you supporting the underground. Because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here right now. So, thank you. We're on the interwebs. And we'll be there. But more important, we'll be here with you. Underground. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko out.